Well, it's great to have each and every one of you here tonight. I love being at Victory Church. How about you guys? Isn't it great? We, ha- we, we are just blessed to have an incredible church. Great pastors like Je- Pastor Jeff, Pastor Dan, and of course, the one and only Pastor Wayne Blackburn. Can you say amen for that? Amen. He is an incredible man of God, and we're so thankful to serve right here at Victory Church. I'm glad that you're here tonight. I, I, don't think of, I can't think of a better place to be than right here. Amen? And I'm excited about what God is going to do tonight in our lives. And why don't we just pause for a moment and welcome those that are watching online tonight. Can you give them a big hand? Yes. I don't know if you can hear it, but we're clapping for you here, and we're glad that you have joined us tonight. Well, listen, I have, I believe, a word that I want to share with you that I believe will help you. It has always helped me. The great thing about preparing for messages is that it probably helps the guys speaking maybe as much or more than those who are sitting listening. So I'm excited to share with you, I believe, what God's laid on my heart, and it always helps. Have you noticed this, that God's word is always on time and it's very timely in our lives? So whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, I'm excited about sharing this word tonight with you. The title of the message tonight is this, just very simple, love with words. What does it mean to love with words? Um, Just recently, I mean last week, I was traveling from uh, north of Ocala coming through, my wife and I, and as we were traveling, you know, as you begin to look at people kind of pulled over to the side of the road and, and just kind of seeing what they're doing, I'm a gawker. You ever gone to places, like, I just like watching people. How many people watchers do we have here tonight? Yes. So you know what I mean. You just kind of watch people. My wife will even say this, hey, stop staring, stop staring. Uh, okay, okay, I get, I get what you're saying. So I have to stop staring. But as we were traveling north of Ocala coming to... Um, uh, to, to Lakeland, uh, I noticed that this truck was pulled over to the side of the road, and I noticed this guy was leaning up his, against his truck bed, and then I, I assume, I don't know, but I guess that possibly it, it was his wife that was on all fours throwing up, uh, is, is kind of the picture that I saw, and I'm like, I, I felt for just a moment like, man, this is probably a difficult time for them. And in my mind, I begin to think of, I wonder what the conversation was before they got to that place. Like, was there some yelling involved? Was there some, hey, we've got to stop now. I'm about to throw up and and lose it. And, and And here she was jumping out of the vehicle. And I guess that he was so comfortable with it that she let her do her thing. And he's just kind of leaning on the truck bed, just waiting. I would kind of consider that maybe just loving with some action, but... I don't know the words that were taking place during that time, but I want to think that maybe, honey, I love you so much, let's pull over, let's give you a special spot and let you do what you need to do. I don't know if the roads were curvy, but here's what I do know is that every one of us in this room, we probably need a little bit of understanding and a little bit of help as to how to love with words. How many would say, yeah, that may be me today? How to love with words. And so we're going to look into the book of James. And as the book of James, it's one of my favorite books. I love the book of James. You can read it in about 20 minutes. It talks a lot about our words, um, our actions. And we're going to learn tonight what it means to love with words. Would you turn with me to James chapter 3? And we're going to be reading from verses 2 through 12. I'm going to read it. You can turn in your Bible, your notepad, your 
Whatever you have in front of you, your device, whatever it may be, but you can turn there and we will read. And here's what it says. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of the one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human, get this, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And it says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now there's some great nuggets in here that we're going to learn tonight. But I want to kind of paint a picture for you tonight. It's almost like this. Have you ever seen a carpenter with a carpenter's belt and he has his hammer and maybe he has a, a straight edge or a, he has his pencil, he's got his tape measure. I mean, he has all these tools, but whatever project he's going to tackle, those tools help him tackle that particular project that he's going through. So what I want to do tonight is give you some tools on how to love with words and James sets this up perfectly for us to learn. So here's some of the things that I want to show you. Number one would be this. I must be wise because my mouth directs where I go. Verse 4 simply says, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You see, our tongue has great influence because of the direction that it sets in our lives. I say that because the tongue is this very small part of our body, but can exert great influence in whatever we do, wherever we go, whoever we encounter. It's a very powerful thing. When you look back into history, you will notice this, that Dwight D. Eisenhower, the ship, was commissioned on October 18, 1977. And a few facts about this ship is amazing because here's what you learn about this incredible ship. Whenever they commissioned it, it cost us, I was going to say the government, it cost us about $2 billion. That ship is about 1,092 feet long. It can go at a speed of up to 30 knots. And here's the another amazing thing is that it weighs about 100,000 tons, yet floats. Kind of amazing to me. It is powered by 280,000 horsepower reactor. But when you understand how is the ship steered, it is steered by this very, very small rudder, one one-thousandth the size of the ship. A very small rudder, just one man at the helm, steers this entire ship. A, a tiny rudder controls everything. 
What do we learn from that? What can we understand? Well, here's what I know. Life-changing events turn on the smallest of words within our lives and what people say and what people do. It's those small things that have this enormous impact in people's lives, our lives, by those tiny little words that we begin to share. Because it's important to understand and realize that we have to love with our words. The second thing we learn from the book of James is this. I must be careful because my mouth can destroy what I have. And right there in verse 5 and 6, here's what we begin to learn. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by, a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. You know, let me take you way back to 1871. It was October 8th. And Miss O'Leary, this is what she's not doing on October 8th, 1871. As she puts her kids to bed, she is not getting ready to read her favorite book or favorite magazine or go to her TV and maybe flip on Netflix to kind of watch her favorite show or kind of binge her favorite show. She's not flipping through Facebook. No, at 8.30 at night, she goes out to the barn, she has a little lamp of oil, and she begins to do this. She begins to milk her cow. Anybody ever milked a cow in here before? I want to see your hands, and yes, just a few. You understand, uh, I mean, seems utterly impossible, but it is possible to milk a cow. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Some of you will get that later. But, you know, you can get the action down. I mean, I remember as a kid going to my uncle's in-laws, and they would milk cows, but they were highly technical back then, and you would put these... Um, anyway, you, you know, they, it was incredible technology, and we would milk the cows, and it was amazing. And I remember trying to milk the cows, but sometimes really impossible. But when you begin to think about this, and you begin to picture this, she begins to milk this cow, but the cow gets mad, don't know why, and kicks over the lamp. The lamp begins to spark some hay. The hay catches on fire and begins to burn up and all of a sudden burns up the barn that she's in. It spreads next door to the building and burns up that building and then burns up the building next to it. And before long, there is one mile wide of fire, three miles long, that is completely destroyed because a cow kicked over a lamp. And that is exactly what destroys Chicago in 1871. And you know what? All it takes is a small spark to do that. Just think about this. The devastating damage that has been done by fire, by the fire of our words, the the rumors, the sharp cutting and cutting remarks that we make. Think about the marriages destroyed over the years, the children that have been chastised, the wars that have been fought, friendships that have been kind of damaged and bodies maimed and Promotions denied because of words. You see, the tongue can be a little fire that sets ablaze and consumes a whole forest of people and relationships. And if we are not careful with our words, we can find ourselves being the very person that causes those things if we don't learn to love with our words. Now, the third little nugget that we learn from James is simply this. I must be aware that my mouth displays who I really am. Verse 9 through 12, I'm going to read verse 9. It simply says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. 
Here's the problem with our mouths. Good water and poisonous water come out of the same spring. In other words, one minute we are saying beautiful things and great things to people, and the very next minute, man, we're saying some nasty, kind of off-colored, not-so-good things. But here is the problem. The point is very simple, that when you control the tongue, the whole body is controlled. You see, this is not a tongue issue. This is really a heart issue. Are you following me tonight? It's a heart issue. So we have to get control of the heart because from the heart, the mouth speaks and begins to share all of these things. Now, here's what I like about Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. It was Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and he says this, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, whatever's in my heart, eventually, it's going to spill out. It's going to kind of just drip out at some point. And you have to be very careful about what kind of drips out of our, our mouth because it really reveals and displays what's on the inside of our life. And so we have to be very, very careful. So what I want to do very quickly tonight is give you some practical and very kind of three specific ways, powerful ways, that we can love people with our lives and the words that we say each and every day. Going to be very practical. How many would say this and agree with that, that Jesus is the most honest being that you've ever known? Yes, I would say that is true. So when we talk about learning how to communicate and what we're going to say and how to say it, I believe that he is probably the best example. He is the expert. I'm not the expert, but Jesus is the expert. And then when we begin to learn from him, he teaches us so much about how to speak and what to speak. So when we communicate, Jesus had this incredible honesty about him. He knew what to say. He knew how to say it. And it didn't come across in this irritating kind of way. It came across in this loving way. Because he loved people. He cared for people. He encouraged people. And so we get a little glimpse in Scripture that when he, where, where he was being very honest, where he was being very truthful. And here's what he says in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He says this. Jesus replied, I love it. You bunch of hypocrites. He also says in Mark chapter 8, verse 33, he says, Satan, get behind me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 41, Jesus said, Oh, you stubborn, faithful people, how long should I put up with you? How many ever tried that on your kids? Maybe you've said that with your kids. You've said the exact same thing. Oh, you stubborn. I mean, how many of you parents have ever said to your kids, How in the world am I going to put up with you? Right? Hey, there's no cameras in here looking. You can be honest. You said it. You believed it. You said those things. You see, Jesus didn't speak out of anger but love. The motivation was not irritation, but he was completely being honest. And when you look throughout Scripture, especially in Ephesians chapter 4, it admonishes us, it admonishes you, speak the truth in love. You see, on one hand, truth without love, it is painful. On the other hand, love without truth, you lose the impact of the truth in the sugarcoating of what you're saying. Proverbs chapter 27, 5 simply says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Here's what I believe. You know what? It's easier to be nice than honest. Have you ever noticed that? 
Oh, I'm just going to be nice. Maybe not honest at this moment, but I'm just going to be nice. But the question is, do I want to impress others or impact others? And someone once told me this. You know what? You can impress people from afar, but you influence people up close with your words. You have to be loving. You have to be careful with what you're saying. Have you ever wondered and thought about this? How many of you have any idea how many words that you speak over the course of a day? Now, just for kicks, I mean, just if you're here with your spouse, great. Or if you're here with your friend, just take a moment. And I want you to just kind of see if we can do this. But who speaks more? Just point at them right now. We're going to close our eyes. No one's going to know. Who speaks more? Who is it? You know, there's this author, Tom Clancy, and he is known for his techno thrillers like The Hunt for Red October. And, and, and in his novels, did you know that he has about 500 to 700 pages? I mean, they are thick works, really thick. And when you look at a book like that, how many of you would be honest and say, you know what, when I look at a book that thick, I'm passing that thing up. There's no way I'm picking that one up. It's way too thick. And some of you are like, yeah, I may use it as a doorstop. Throw it at somebody, but that's not really loving with words or actions, I guess you could say. But as you begin to look at his books, did you know that he has about a half million to three quarters of a million words in his books? Here's my question to you. How long would it take you to say as many words as he writes in one of his books? According to researchers, each person here will say about 18,000 words a day. And that translates into about 54 pages every day that you write with the words that you say every day. That means that in one year, an average person will fill 66 books of 800 pages. And every year you write with your words 66 volumes that are larger than those Tom Clancy novels. No wonder... Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, he says this, By your words you will be condemned, and by your words you will be justified. Number two, here it's very practical. Love people with careful, careful words. I remember it probably 20 years ago. How many ever, you reach that point when you're like, I know I've got to get some glasses, I can't see. I would go into a restaurant and I would begin to look at the menu and I couldn't see the words on the menu. So I'd give it to my wife and say, hey, what does this say? And um, I just, I got to the point where I'm like, I got to get some help. So I went and was tested. Of course, I needed glasses or contacts. So um, I ordered some, some glasses. I mean, they were in. How many likes, you like to be in style? And I thought, man, I got these glasses and they are in style. And I couldn't wait to pick them up, but I also had contacts, and I remember getting contacts, and for the first time in a long time, I would look at people, and I'm like, man, you, you've got some wrinkles. I didn't realize you look a little older than I thought. I can finally see. And I remember taking one of my friends, and he was one of those friends that it was either black or white, like there's no gray area. He had no filter and so I picked my glasses up, and they said, try these on, Mr. Butler. And I tried them on, and I walked out to my friend. His name was Justin. And Justin looked at me, and the first words out of his mouth, he says, man, you have some big eyes. I took those off, I put them in my pocket, and I never wore them again. Because you have to what? 
be careful with your words because that surely impacted my life just for that saying one time and I never wore them again. I wore contacts and even today I wear contacts and seeing eyeglasses because I don't want to have those big thick glasses. You know what I'm saying? Everybody say if you heard that, say amen if you have some big thick glasses. We all know the impact of a wrong word or words in our life and sometimes we miscommunicate and when we miscommunicate those people on the receiving end, they know that. I'm, I'm gonna, for instance, my wife and I, I mean, there was um, years ago, there's a saying, and we still catch ourselves today. My wife would say to me, she would say, um, let's say it's the trash. I'm going to let you take out the trash. I'm going to let you take out. And so, I, time out. And I said, you know, I'm, thank you for letting me do this, but I wonder if we could kind of turn the phraseology to, could you please take out the trash? Now, let's, let's just take a vote right here, right now. How many would rather hear, I'm going to let you, or could you please? How many, I'm going to let you, didn't think so, could you please? Yeah. So here's the ironic thing. After hearing that, guess what I would do to her? I'm going to let you. And I realized, and she says, hey, you're doing the same thing to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I would get down on one knee. Please forgive me. Not really, I didn't do that. But you know what I'm saying. We had to work through the miscommunication and understand each other and know, hey, that's not really, I, I don't like to hear that. It's loving with words. So we had to correct that in each other. And even today, we will slip and say that to each other. But then we have to quickly correct that. You have to be careful with your words. Even American advertisers, they have to be careful when they begin to promote their product in another country, they have to be careful of how that happens. I mean, finish this statement for me. You'll understand this. Have a Coke and a... That was kind of weak. <laughs> Let's be honest. Have a Coke and a... Smile, yeah, I mean, that was some old advertising, right? Have a Coke and a smile. You take that same Coke and have a Coke and a smile, and you translate that into Chinese. Chinese is a very tonal language, so what that means in certain dialects and tones, it meant bite the wax tadpole. That doesn't work. In other dialects, it meant female horse stuffed with wax. That's not a drink that I'm wanting, you understand? My communicating to you. And finally, they got it right. Happiness in the mouth. There we go. Coca-Cola. But even, seeing how significant words are, and that these companies are selling just sugared water, and they have to be careful of how they speak that, what they speak, understanding the language of that. How much more careful do we have to be as we're speaking to our, our spouse, our loved ones, those next to us, our coworkers, whoever it may be. We have to make sure that our words are loving words. We have to be careful with what we say. You know, God in His wisdom designed the human head to have seven openings. I'll let you figure those out. Two nostrils, two eyes two ears, and guess what? One mouth. And did you know that the single opening that we have has probably caused more trouble than all the others put together? Now listen to Psalm 141.3. It simply says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
If you go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, and, if I, if, and you may have even heard this before. This has been out many times, maybe even spoken here. I don't know. But we have to think before we speak. And when I say you have to think before you speak, here's something to help you. When you think before you think, here's what you have to do. When you do that, we're going to use a little acrostic with the word think. T stands for this. Is it truthful? Make sure that what you're saying to someone is truthful. If it's not truthful, I wouldn't say it. Can I get an amen right there? Make sure that what you're saying, H, is helpful. Is it helpful to this person or is it going to hurt this person? I sure want to be helpful to this person. Do it in a loving way, but you need to think before you really say anything. I, is it's inspirational. Make sure that it is building someone up instead of tearing someone down. Because sometimes we react instead of responding properly and making sure that we have the filter of his word over our life, in our life, so that we can share in a great way, a loving way, loving with words. In, is it necessary? Is it really necessary that I share this right now, that I speak this truth right now? Make sure it's necessary for the time, it's an appropriate time, and make sure that you're following those. K, is it kind? Are you being kind when you communicate the truth? All I'm asking you to do is just think. Just think. We have to love people with careful words. Even Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus is speaking and he says, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Those are pretty powerful words from Jesus right there in Scripture in Matthew chapter 12. And the last one is simply this. Love people with building words. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So what does that mean? That means that in our marriages, our words have to be building up and building up. And sometimes we fall short, but when you fall short, you have to come back and you have to say, Listen, I'm sorry. That wasn't lifting you up. That was tearing down. In your children, make sure that you are building their self-esteem and you have to lift them up. Your co-workers, the people that you're around, the people at church, everywhere you go, you have to be building them up. Make sure that you share with building words in their life. And you've heard this verse so many times, but it, it works so well right here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's how powerful our tongue really is. So I want to make it practical. I want to make it really easy that this week we all have assignment. And here's the assignment. This is the simple assignment that we need to follow this week. In our relationships with our spouse, with those that we're around, our coworkers. Just do these simple things. And what I'm really asking you to do is to guard, guide, and govern. Letting the Lord, through the scriptures, speak to your life so that you can make sure that you're loving with your words. How do I do that? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose kind words whenever I speak to people. You see, the Bible says that kind words have the power to transform worry into joy. You see, I need, I need proof of that. Let me give you the proof. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. 
You know what? Kind words are also powerful when you're sharing the gospel and you're communicating the love of Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? I love what William Barclay said. He said, more people have been brought into the church by the kindness of a Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world because someone was kind to them, because someone took the time to be kind. Another one is this, just use your gentle words. Gentle words, they have the power to break through anger and all the difficult things that are going on in people's life. You've heard it said in Proverbs chapter 15, 1. It simply says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it begins to stir up anger. You see, harsh words are very easy. I mean, we can say that all day long. We can be harsh. That's the easy part. But I think when you use a gentle word, it takes courage. You know what that word gentle means? It literally means power under control. And the last thing is just simply this. You use kind words, you use gentle words, and then you need to use this, wise words. I think this, that wise words about God's word heal broken hearts and lives. You see, I don't know what to share sometimes. I don't know what to express sometimes. I don't know what to say sometimes. Here's what we simply have to do. You go to an almighty God and you say, God, I don't know what to say to this person, what to share with this person, but would you from your word, would you by your Holy Spirit, tell me the words to share with this person? And you know what? I believe he does that. I believe that he will give you those words. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If our worship team could come, I end with this story. It was last, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just meeting with a contractor and I was at my house and we were just talking and he, he comes to me and he's a believer and he says, hey Craig, can I share you this encouraging story? I said, yeah, sure, man, go ahead. He says, listen, this is what happened to me last week. He says, last week, he says, I, I was um, at someone's house I was on my tractor, and I was just simply doing my thing, his job, and he says, the Lord spoke to him while on his tractor and said to him, you need to call your friend so-and-so right now. Has that ever happened to you? And you begin to think, man, is that the pizza that I ate last night? Is that really God speaking to me? And he says, he, he waited 30 seconds more, and he says it was just like the Lord speaking to him and said, you need to call your friend now. You need to stop your tractor, and you need to call your friend. So he did. He stopped it. He got on the phone. He called, he called his friend. He didn't get an answer. He left a message, and then he simply did this. He took out his phone, and he texted, and he simply said to his friend, hey, I'm, just, I'm thinking about you. I love you, and God loves you. I'm here to help, and God will always help you. And he sent the text. And then he said this. He said, do you know, it was six hours later that I got a phone call from him. And he said he was crying on the other line. The gentleman that he called, he said he was crying. And he said, thank you. Thank you for your call, and thank you for your text. He says, what you don't know 
is that I was in my garage. I had the garage door down. In my car, windows rolled down. I had all these sleeping pills I was getting ready to take and start my car. And you called. And you texted. He says, I immediately got out of the car. He says, I called for help. And he says, I'm getting help right now. And when he began to share this story with me, he was just like, I can't believe God used me. And in that moment, when God spoke to him and he reached out to someone with loving words, he had no idea that on the other end of that, it saved that man's life. Obedience. Being able to simply answer the call and say, Lord, I'm going to obey. You know what I love about Jesus? As he begins to speak to us and he begins to help us, I love the words that he shares with us. Here's some loving words that he shares in Hebrews. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want to encourage you that whatever you're walking through, whether you're here right now or you're watching online, that whatever you're walking through may be the most difficult season of your life. You don't know if you're ready to even move forward or whatever God has for you. You just don't understand what you're going through and you're crying out for God. I know this, is that God works through people. And so tonight it may be the call to your life to say, hey, turn to Jesus. Hey, give Jesus a shot. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's always there for you because his incredible love, his incredible mercy reaches down to you at your hour, pulls you up out of the junk that you're in, and he reminds you that he loves you with what scripture says is an everlasting love. Listen, I believe that. I've seen people's lives changed. I know that the power of his word And I witnessed it once again as someone told me the story of their life and how it saved someone else's because of simple obedience. So this evening, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're right here in the service and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you are questioning walking with Him and following Him. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity to love Him. Would you stand with me? And I want to say a prayer tonight, and it is a prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer, and that's a great way to say it. I like to call it the winner's prayer. Because you're a winner when you follow Jesus, and maybe you haven't even said or spoken those words. Lord, I want to follow you. I'm called by you. Here's what I know about Jesus. He is always there. He's there to forgive your sins. He's there to welcome you home. With arms open wide, he's there to love you and accept you into his kingdom. And if that is what you want, is that's the next step that you want to take, would you simply say these simple words right after me? Dear Lord, Dear Lord, 
I love you today. I love you today. I thank you for your incredible love to I my thank life. You for your incredible love to my life. I ask tonight. I ask tonight that you would come into my life. That you would come into my life. I know there's power in your name. I know there is power in your name. You're going to transform my life. You're going to transform my life. You're going to help me stand upon the rock. You're going to help me stand upon the rock. Your rock. Your rock. You are salvation. You are our salvation. You are our help tonight. You are our help. Tonight. I love you. I love you. And I'm giving my life to you. And I'm giving my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. All the days of my life. All of the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand tonight. Will you do that? You're watching online. He's a good God. Listen, thank you for being here tonight. There's altar workers down here, and if you simply need prayer of any kind, you need healing in your body, you're walking through a difficult situation, maybe you're here and you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to come and pray with one of these altar workers. Jamil's going to lead us in a worship, and I want you to continue to worship if you want. This is the official dismissal, but if you'd like to stay in worship or need prayer, please do so at this moment. We love you. And thank you for coming. Go in His grace and go in His peace.